Today's podcast with Adam Schefter is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash LA Slant. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash LA Slant. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome Adam Schefter to the LA Slant Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Know Them From Adam Podcast on iTunes or on the ESPN app. The best in the business. Adam, thanks so much for joining me, sir. How are you? Chris, how you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure's all mine. Before we get started, I want to talk about your podcast. Some great guests you started at the beginning of the year. How much have you enjoyed this medium? Uh, it's been great. I, I've enjoyed it tremendously. It's a little bit like learning a new language because you have to figure out what works and what doesn't work, what you can do, what you can't do. And there are a lot of just different things that you wouldn't ordinarily think about. So now that you enter into that venue, it's just a different kind of challenge. But I love talking to people. I love finding out what makes them tick. I, I like to hear those kinds of things. It's kind of neat and getting a chance to talk to some tremendously accomplished people. And so that's kind of fun. It's different, but it's been great. And it's also been a learning process. Sure. Well, yeah, you've had some amazing guests, Jerry Jones, John Lynch, I think Alejandro Villanueva before Memorial Day. I suggest people check that one out. Um, but Adam, let's get into L.A. It was announced last week that the L.A. Stadium project in Inglewood has been delayed a year, and this has now affected the Super Bowl in 2021. It looks like Tampa is now getting the Super Bowl in 2021, and L.A. has moved to 2022. Uh, what can you tell us about this process and how it went down over the past day or two? Well, listen, I think that from the time that it emerged that the stadium was behind schedule in L.A., there was a question as to how this was going to play out, and there was a chance that the Super Bowl was going to be in jeopardy. I, frankly, I was surprised at how quickly it moved, Chris, to where the Rams and Chargers would be hosting the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 55, to where they basically were pushed back one year to 2022 because of the heavy rain that has slowed the construction of the new stadium in Englewood. And, you know, this this all began... Boy, this is, was this yesterday? Is Monday, we're taping this Tuesday, the 23rd. This, oh, no, it was Friday or Monday? Friday. I think it was Friday. I think it was on Friday where it was announced. Friday? Okay. Well, again, that was a rather quick turnaround to make the decision to push back the Super Bowl one year. And so that, that surprised me, the speed at which that moved. But, again, you're talking about a big business opportunity, and, and clearly the stadium is lagged behind, and the Rams want to, uh, the Chargers want to still host a Super Bowl, so they're just pushing it back one year to 2022. Adam, what was the league's reaction to the delay and really their general thoughts on this new NFL landscape in L.A. now? Because, now listen, there's three more years of two teams playing in a temporary venue. You got the Rams yeah. and the Coliseum, and then you got the Chargers. Listen, the StubHub Center is a is a really nice venue, but it's a soccer stadium, and yeah. you can only, heard, only holds 30,000 people. So I'm curious to get the league's kind of thoughts on this new landscape in L.A. Well, I don't, I don't think anybody from the league would admit it, but I, I don't see how the league couldn't be disappointed. You know, there, there are opportunity costs here. There are opportunities lost here. And I think that if the Chargers had known that they would be in the StubHub Center for three years, I think that might have made the move a little less attractive to them at that point in time. And I'm sure when the Rams moved there, they were hoping it wasn't going to take that long to open the new stadium. But look, I think what's most important ultimately in the end to the Rams is that they get this right. 
that the, the, the stadium is built the way that they want it to be. It's going to be there for a long time. And if it costs them a year, which is not particularly palatable right now, uh, I know that they would rather get it right and make sure it's done right. And as long as that's the case, uh, they can live with the result in the end. It, it, there'll be some pain and some disappointment to go through leading up to that. But the fact of the matter is, in the end, it, they believe it'll work out for them. All right, let's get into a few quick hit things that are happening now and will affect the 2017 season. Adam, overtime. It's being shortened from 15 to 10 minutes. Is this more of a, a player safety issue than anything else? Well, that's what the league wants you to believe, and, and of course that's what it is. But the fact of the matter is, if you go back to the year 2000, uh, I think the average is uh, 20 plays per year that it actually affects on average uh, over the last 16, 17 years. So you're talking about, on average, again, one play per week, on average. So it's really not that much, but, but obviously it sends the idea that the league is working on health and safety, and that's of paramount importance to the league. And so by shortening it five minutes, which obviously people were in favor of, it sends a certain message and reinforces a certain idea that the league is looking out for player safety at a time where some of that has come under fire. Has the league ever thought about just going to the college format with overtime, or has that ever been on the table as of late? Not that I've heard of. They they, they had the sudden death first score the way it was, and uh, now this, you know, it, again, <laughs> I, I think it comes back to what the league and the competition committee believes is safe and what isn't safe, and, and they believe right now that this is the best format. I, I think, listen, if you're going to go from 15 minutes to 10 minutes, uh, why not just eliminate it altogether? And, you, know, you have 60 minutes to score, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. But that's not how it's done. All right, another new change. The league has eliminated the 75-man cutdown in preseason. And, Adam, this puts much more of an emphasis on that fourth preseason game because now you got to cut down from 90 guys to 53. Uh, what was yeah. the reasoning behind this rule? Well, I think that, look, um, some are sometimes difficult to get through, and you get to those last preseason games, and we know that teams like to rest their regulars, so uh, they're short of bodies. If you rest, if you get, on that point in time, 75 guys in the roster, um, 22 uh, starters, uh, you want to play them. You want to make sure you get enough bodies to get through those last preseason games. There's some guys you want to get a longer look at that you, have to, basically you can't keep around because you're short in the rosters. And if you're paying the guys to be there for the summer, uh, why not get the full benefit of looking at them for the full summer? So to me, it makes some sense. The, the issue is that when the cuts come in, can you imagine, like, wow, it's going to be 90 to 53, so it's going to be 37 cuts per team, 37 times 32, right? So, I mean, j just do the math on that, Chris, right there. 37 times 32, uh, there's going to be basically 1,184 players <laughs> cut that's unreal. on that final cut-down day of the year. So that's going to be crazy. Yeah, the GMs are going to be quite busy, I think, from week four to, to week one of the regular season. So Very. Another thing, the league, they're going to relax the celebration rules, which – is probably a good thing, but something you reported, Adam, that I thought was really interesting. Owners are discussing a, a change that would allow teams to hire coaches that are still in the playoffs, and I think this is a rule that would drastically change this uh, hiring process. What, what's the latest on that? Is that something that could happen as soon as this year? Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're still continuing. They're still continuing those talks. They have not approved the change. I think it's going to happen eventually. The question is when. Um, maybe it would be at the next owners' meetings. Um, there'll still be further discussions some point this summer, this fall, and as long as it's in place before the start of the hiring period next December, January, 
uh, I don't think that would be much of an issue. So I think that's what they're looking to do by then. I think those talks will continue. And it won't surprise me if ultimately it passes and teams are allowed to agree to hire a head coach without announcing that they are hiring a head coach. So as an example, like Kyle Shanahan, it was all but a Correct. foregone conclusion. He was going to the Niners. He, he could have agreed to terms earlier in the playoffs when the Falcons were still playing under these new rules. Correct, and the Falcons could have you know, basically agreed with Dan Quinn earlier in the postseason yeah. rather than waiting for him to uh, win a Super Bowl uh, or lose a Super Bowl against the Patriots before hiring him. News in the NFL this week in Los Angeles, Adam. Aaron Donald is not at OTAs, and it mm-hmm. seems to be contract-related. Uh, Les Need, I believe, said yesterday they are in serious stages of negotiations, but it's the end of May. How serious are these negotiations right now? Well, listen, I think at some point this offseason, they're going to get a new deal done, those two sides. The question is when. My understanding is it's not particularly close right now, but I think the Rams want to get it done. I think Aaron Donald wants to get it done, and I don't think that you know he's going to step onto a field until he gets it done because there's not a financial incentive. This is not like there is tension and strain between the two sides. That they're battling back and forth. This is a case where both sides want to get this done. They're going to get it done. It's a question of how they get it done. I don't think it's close to being done right now. But Aaron Donald, at some point in the offseason, will become one of the highest-paid defensive players in the game, I expect. Yeah, and as you said, I, I assume that he's probably going to be the richest NFL defender in the league. And I think that magnifies just how important 2017 is for the Rams, Adam. You have a, a second-year quarterback learning a new offense. You have some unproven weapons on the outside. You have a, a running back who's coming off a, a subpar season. Uh, how important is just seeing development this year from these younger pieces, especially when you know you have to put all sorts of money into Aaron Donald? Well, listen, Jared Goff is, you know, as important as Aaron Donald is, Jared Goff is a huge piece for the Los Angeles Rams. They need him to develop into the player that they felt they were trading up to get. They need him to be that kind of quarterback, that face of the franchise. It's that critical. And I think that's part of the reason that they hired Sean McVay, uh, aside from the fact that he's this charismatic young star. Um, and basically, we've got a situation there where it's imperative that he develops, that he turns into the quarterback that they want him to be. And if that can happen, then they've got a chance to be good and be good for a long time. If not, it's going to be a major setback for that organization. They're going to have to find a new quarterback to develop, a new guy to build around. And again, it's great that Aaron Donald is one of the best players in the game, but they need the quarterback to develop, and, and, and we'll see how well they can do that this upcoming season. It's been a month since the NFL draft. What were your thoughts on what the Rams did? They they needed help on the offensive line. They didn't draft any offensive linemen, but they did get a tight end who I think many people are looking at as a, a Jordan Reed 2.0 and Gerald Everett, yeah. Cooper Cup, who really tore up the FCS. Uh, so getting some weapons for golf, what was your assessment of what they were able to do in the draft? Chris, I think that's exactly it. I think that they recognized that they were short of some offensive firepower, and if the quarterback is going to develop, they need to – give him a chance to make more plays. And, and so when you go out and get a guy like Cooper Cup, I can't tell you, I spoke to a few different teams. They all told me, Dan, that was one of the guys we wanted to get, and we didn't get him, the Rams did. And I know there were other teams that were looking at taking Gerald Everett shortly after the Rams did. So, so they came away with a couple of guys that some teams really wanted and really liked. And now, again, it's up to Jared Goff developing into the kind of guy that they hope and want him to be. And if he can do that, then there are some added weapons around him, which I would think would help the running game, which would help in turn the passing game, which would help the quarterback. It, it's all <laughs> interrelated, and, and one part complements the other, and, and they all help out each other. And I think that the Rams 
right now are in a situation where they feel like they've got a few more weapons on offense. You alluded to it earlier with, with Sean McVay. What, what is the impression of him around the NFL? He had tremendous success in Washington with Kirk Cousins and even Jordan Reed going back to when he was a tight ends coach. He is the youngest coach in the NFL. He's in the second biggest market in the country. I know it's early, but what are the overall impressions of him um, by the Rams and just the league in general? you got a guy there in Sean McVay, Chris, who I think a lot of people around the league view as a future star. Like, 31, smart, personable, hardworking, charismatic. I think he's going to be a coaching star. And if for some reason uh, the personnel doesn't match up and it doesn't get done and they don't win, he doesn't keep his job like a lot of head coaches in the end, you know, I think, he'd be, I think he could become a TV star. So whatever he does, if I could buy stock in a, in a guy, I would buy it in Sean McVay. I was on the Sean, you know, I, I followed the Redskins for, for a long time. And uh, for, for a guy to be able to sustain success over coaching staffs, too, because people forget he was on Mike Shanahan's coaching staff as the tight ends coach. He stayed on on Jay Gruden's coaching staff, and it seems like the players swear by him. So if, if anybody can get Jared Goff turned around, I think McVay could be the guy to do it. On the defensive side of the ball, though, Adam, another guy I wanted to ask you about, Tremaine Johnson. He was franchised earlier this year, $16.7 million. I think at the time, Les Snead said, well, hey, let's get him in. Let's see how he meshes with Wade's system. And, you know, there's some rumblings about him maybe not being the best fit for what Wade likes to do. Uh, what do you see his future in L.A. being? You know, I, I don't know if they're going to come to an agreement before uh, mid-July, but do you see Tremaine Johnson staying on this roster? Is there a trade market for him? What do we think about this? Well, there, there was a trade market, but again, he has some say because nobody's going to trade for him without him agreeing to a long-term deal. They had some conversations with the Saints. The Saints were interested. Uh, he wanted to stay in Los Angeles. So I know that the Rams have that going for them, that he has an interest in sitting out there, and we'll see whether they can work out a deal and get something figured out. Uh, again, I think he'd like that, but he also is a cornerback in a market that doesn't have a, a ton of great players there, and uh, his time is coming. I don't think they'll reach a long-term deal by July 15th, and then we'll see how the season unfolds, and we'll see what they decide to do with them during the year. Moving on to the Chargers, Adam, you could argue on paper they had a they had a really good draft. You get two of the top three interior linemen in this draft to protect Phillip Rivers and open holes for Melvin Gordon. You get Mike Williams to compliment Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. Um, there's a lot of talent on both sides of the football here. They were snake-bitten by injuries last season, and they're probably in the best division in football. But that said, do you look at them as a at least a wild-card contender in the AFC this year? I think they have a chance to be a very good football team. I think there's a lot of talent there. They have a chance to be competitive. They've got the quarterback. They've got some great young defensive players. They've got some skill positions, certainly, that they've complimented the draft. They got a new coach who I think is going to be very, very good in this league, and Anthony Lynn. I mean, this is an organization I think has a lot going for, and we'll see how all the pieces fit together. This coaching staff, you mentioned Anthony Lynn. To bring in a guy like Gus Bradley with head coaching experience and great success as a defensive coordinator, you bring Kez, you keep Ken Wisenhunt, rather, as the offensive coordinator. And I'm starting to see a trend with some of these young coaches, Adam, where they're surrounding them with – Proven experience, you know. You look. You talk about Wade Phillips with with Sean McVay. Was is that kind of by design here? Is that did Anthony Lynn want to surround himself with a lot of NFL head coaching experience in his first season? Oh, absolutely. If you had not done that job before, you see, as you mentioned, Sean McVay, Wade, Gus Bradley around Anthony Lynn, Ken Wisenhunt around Anthony Lynn. I mean, listen. The, the more experience, the better. Both Anthony Lynn and Sean McVay bring a fresh perspective. Yet they're surrounded by people who have been through this before, so they know. 
And so I, I think that that's probably a very good setup, and we'll see how it works out for both teams. Adam, I heard that perhaps the most talked about player at the NFL scouting combine in Indy this past year was someone that actually wasn't even drafted. It was USC's Sam Darnold. And, you know, UCLA's Josh Rosen, he's back healthy. And it's entirely possible that these guys could be the first two quarterbacks off the board in 2018. Do you think teams that did not draft a quarterback this past draft were kind of peeking ahead to next season? What what have you heard about Darnold well, and Rosen? I, I, Listen, I, I think there were teams peeking ahead, but I think the fact of the matter is when it comes to that position, if you see a guy that you like, you go get him, period. And if you like Mitchell Trubisky or you like Deshaun Watson or you like Patrick Mahomes or you like whoever it is at quarterback and you've got a chance to get him and the value is not too great, you go do that. Now, saying that, I think when you speak to most personnel people and talent evaluators around the league, they all believe that next year's quarterback chance class has a chance to be a great one. You, you've got the two guys from California that you mentioned. You've got Josh Allen from Wyoming. A lot of personnel directors tell me you could put it down now. Josh Allen's going to be the first pick in the draft, and it doesn't mean he will. It doesn't mean he won't, but clearly that shows you that he's got that type of ability to go along with those other guys, and, and there are other quarterbacks out there as well. So we'll see how the class develops. You know, Sometimes guys are as good as people think. Sometimes they're better. Sometimes there are guys that come out of nowhere, a la Carson Wentz. So, again, each college football season unfolds in its own different, unique way. But going into the season, uh, those quarterbacks have garnered a lot of attention from poor personnel teams, uh, and they certainly would seem to fit the bill of the types of players that teams will be looking to draft in 2018. Adam, I want to end with a little bit of uh, hoops. You worked sidelines for a couple of NBA games this season. What was that experience like for you? I loved it. It was a professional vacation for me. It was just something different. You know, The NFL is so all-encompassing, so nonstop, so relentless, that to go take a break and to go do a Wizards-Hawks game or a Oklahoma City Thunder-Knicks game or a Celtics-Bulls game uh, like I did, it, to me, I, I really enjoyed it. It was something that was different. Uh, it, it was me stepping out of uh, my comfort zone. And, again, it was a great, great experience. And, you know, there, there are so many people who do a great job uh, doing that. But... I loved it. I really enjoyed it, and and we'll see uh, if I get the chance to do some more of that again in the future. But it was great. It was a tremendous opportunity. Like I said, a professional vacation for me. Are, are you still playing fantasy basketball in the playoffs now? No, our season our, our season ended a while ago, and uh, we were in the ESPN league that ended, and uh, that I did with Field Yates and uh, Mark Dominic and some other guys, and we, we had a great time. I loved it. You know, I really get into that. And it was great fun, and we'll do it again next year. I want to get you out of here on this because the city of L.A. is buzzing because the Lakers actually kept their pick. So they get this, like, number two overall, and Mm -hmm. they didn't lose it to Philadelphia. And that may or may not lead to Lonzo Ball becoming a Laker. And I was racking my brain about this, Adam. Have you ever – I don't know if you can equate LeVar Ball to anybody in the NFL that you've ever covered because I was racking my brain. I don't think I can. Todd Marinovich's dad would be maybe the only thing I could think of. You know, a guy that was that outspoken, that boisterous, that much a part of his son's life. But there are many examples like that. And even then, it, it doesn't match up and doesn't equate. But, I mean, you know, you're looking for a, a strong force as a father, somebody who is outspoken. And that was in the day and age pre-social media. So, you know, really, LeVar Ball um, is, is the first outspoken dad in, in the social media age where you know, so many statements are lightning rods and for news and coverage. 
And we've never had a parent as outspoken as he has been in this particular day and age. You know, he's certainly one of a kind. Finally, Adam, prediction for the finals. Let's say, let's say Cleveland moves ahead. What are we, what are we thinking about in the trilogy here? Uh, it should Warriors? be awesome. Third straight year, Warriors and Cavs. I know Los Angeles probably won't want to hear, but I, you know, I got no problem as long as the series goes seven games. I'm good. Yeah, seven games. That's all I want to see. It'd be, it'd be Give nice. us seven games, Chris. That's all we ask. All right, he's Adam Schefter. Be sure to check out Know Them From Adam on iTunes or the ESPN app. Adam, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope we can do it again here before the season. Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate you.